0: We're going to take up offering, but nobody's up here. (laughs) Listen, guys, uh, yeah, come on and help out. Um, We have, I don't know if you guys can smell it, we have burgers and dogs cooking outside. This today is a great opportunity for you to get plugged in, to meet somebody new, to hang out with the church. If you like free food, that's also good, too. Amen? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Father, we thank you, God. Um, God just says that each one of us faces trials and adversities in life, God, as the water starts boiling in our lives, God, that we can uh, pull out from within us, God, the things that you've uh, restored in us, God, um, the things that you've instilled in our lives, God, we just ask that you would help us to use these things to change our own current situations, God, Um, financial and relationship, you fill in the blank, God, we just ask that you would just be with us, comfort us, God, we thank you for our church, we thank you for our facility, God, we just thank you that we have so many people serving and helping us, Father. We ask that you would take this offering, bless it, and multiply it for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, and welcome to The Light. Here's what's coming up this week at The Light. Women's brunch will be on Saturday, May 12th, at 10 a.m., it will be Hawaii Luau theme. Come relax and enjoy and celebrate the gift of womanhood. Childcare will be provided. Mexico Missions will be having our annual award ceremony. We will be recognizing the students with a special program and give out academic awards. We would love for you to come with us. All you need is a passport and some spending money. Please contact Pat or Jim Noble if you would like to come. Feeding the Homeless will be on Saturday, June 16th. Meet us at 9 a.m. in the foyer to help prepare the food, or join us at Pete's Place at noon to help serve. All are welcome to join us when we help feed the homeless and less fortunate of Santa Fe. Help send a youth or leader to summer camp. If you're interested in this, please contact Jason at 505-795-0088. The church is in need of babysitters for various events. Babysitters are needed for Wednesday and Thursday night classes and Saturday morning. This is a paid position. Please call the church at 505-982-2080 for more information. We are now starting our worship team auditions. If you sing or play an instrument and you are interested in this offer, please contact Jordan after the service. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post weekly videos of the sermons and worship sessions. Further details may be found in your bulletin. Please enjoy the rest of your service.
2: Is that my paper? news,
1: my friend. What? What news? Zentrax. Oh, come on. It's down again. Two and a half points. Oh, I can't believe it. Let me see that. (laughs) That's four and a half points in three days. That's almost half my money. Hey, I told you. Yeah, you told me. It's all manipulated with junk bonds. You can't win. (laughs) There's
3: one thing I don't understand.
1: Why does it please you?
3: George Costanza, I don't care. I'm just
1: telling you to get rid of that stock now. George, what's going on? Sell it.
4: I'm selling it. Well, where is the guy? (laughs) Nothing. All right. You got people like that in your life? Why does it please you? Why does it please you when things go bad in somebody else's life? That's what I want to be talking about this morning. But before I get there, uh, I've got a message this morning that we need children's workers and we need them bad. They need three. And they said, you know, uh, Adele, I think she's in charge of the children's ministry. And I think she said that if she didn't have three replacements up there next week, and if she had to do it herself, your children are coming home filled with espresso coffee and a brand new puppy, okay? So you better get up there and help her, all right? She needs some help and she needs some help bad. So let's try to help her, all right? I didn't hear an amen on that. That was weak. That was weak. All right, so we're going we're we're to start asking for volunteers. All right, so guys, uh, today I'm going to be talking about encouragement. Unlike Kramer, you know, probably we all have some Kramers in our lives, you know, people that just kind of gloat when bad things happen to us. I remember I bought a piece of property out off of 285 many, many years ago, 19, I think 81 or 82. And, I mean, the day that I left the closing, I mean, the ink is still wet. And some of my friends are coming up and said, Oh, you know the reason that property's been on the market so long and you know why it hasn't sold? There's no water out there. There's no water in that area. And I'm thinking, Well, thank you very much. Why didn't you tell me two weeks ago, you know, when I, before I bought the property? But you know what? God was good. God showed up and there was water on the property despite all the naysayers. And, uh, you know, the Lord blessed me there. But uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking to you about uh, Barnabas, guy in the Bible. Many of you know his name, but you don't really know his story. And uh, he is called an encourager, the son of encouragement. But, you know, before I get there, let me just give you a little background. You know, that the culture that we live in, what we live in today, from, really from the time that, you know, that you get, you know, you start school and you're in grade school, you know, uh, culture has kind of designed us to kind of like work in it. And what I mean by that is that we have cliques and we have little clubs and, you know, that uh, we're all trying to achieve and we all want to be wanted and loved and accepted. We all want approval and we all want popularity and prominence in our lives. But God said that there's something better. There's something better in life that you and I should, should seek for and that, uh, you know, instead of striving for the acceptance of people, um, you know, that uh, God wants us to be successful in His kingdom. He wants us to strive to be successful and to please Him, not to please one another. Paul says, if I seek to please people, you know, I'm, I'm nothing. I've failed in life. if My whole goal in life is to please people. And so, you know, if you're seeking fame and fortune, if you're seeking uh, popularity and preeminence of and prominence among uh, your peers, all of that fades away. After a while, it just fades away. But, you know, when you set your heart and your mind on just uh, gratifying the Lord and satisfying the Lord, uh, it it says that we aim, that's what the Scripture says, we make it our aim to please Him, to please God. So um, I want to just start with, uh, you know, in the book of Acts, and let me just give you a little history there first. And the book of Acts, it, the book of Acts follows the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—and then we have the book of Acts, which is really just kind of the the Acts of the, the Apostles or the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's just the history of the early church. It covers kind of like the first you know hundred years of the church. And so, um, in, in, in the book of Acts, we have this guy. You know, the, I mean, the church has gone through incredible persecution. I mean, uh, men and women have been put to death. Uh, Stephen is the first martyr who's been put to death. Um, We've got, um, you know, um, James, the brother of John, and, uh, you know, there are others that, you know, are being put to death throughout the book. But there's a great persecution in the church, but it's also a time of incredible coming together, a blending together the body of looking out for one another. And that's where we're going to kind of pick up in Acts chapter 4. And this is where we have the first mention of Barnabas, uh, this believer in the book of Acts. He's first mentioned in Acts chapter 4. We pick up in uh, verse 32, and it says, And all the believers were, with one, uh, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of the possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. And with great power, the apostles continued uh, to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them um, that there was no, need among, no needy person among them. From, the time, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. This is a great sacrifice. You know, a lot of times if you were out of money and you didn't have livestock or, you know, you didn't have uh, sheep or chickens or whatever to sell, I mean, it came down to the land. And if you, if you had land in those days, I mean, you were Somebody. And under this time of great persecution, those that had land could have obviously have sold the land. I mean, we're talking about not just people wagging their face at you and shaming you for being a Christian. We're talking about men and women that put their life on the line Because in those days, it was dangerous. It could cost you your life to be a Christian. And so those that had land or had houses sold them and brought the money of the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to the church or anyone that had need. And Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, it's also the title of our message today, sons of encouragement, uh, Barnabas or Joseph sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So, I mean, like I said, I mean, in a time of great persecution, there were places in the world that Christians weren't being persecuted. But he could have taken that money, he could have sold the money and bought a second house someplace else where, you know, the persecution wasn't as, as hard. It wasn't as fierce. It wasn't as, as, as bad as it was in Jerusalem at that time. And because of this great cause, because of the great cause, I mean, men and women of those days—these are the ones that remember. Paul said that uh, that he was the one that on the on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him and you know asked him, you know, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And uh, and Paul says, you know, he was called Saul at that time. Uh, he had a name change as well. And the Lord says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And so he has this, this encounter. He has a come-to-Jesus kind of moment in his life. And Jesus shows up in his life, and it's just like his life has absolutely changed. You know, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul. And Paul writes later on, he says, that he's talking about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not that he just died on the cross for our sins, but he rose again and, and, the, and raising from the dead the Bible says that He gives you and I power, power to change our lives. That's what uh, that's what this message is about this morning. And it says because of this great cause, because men and women, you know, believed this. They saw they, you know, they were either witnesses to the uh, the crucifixion and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, and they'd they'd either witnessed it or heard about it, and they bought into it. They were all in. They weren't just like you know, you know. I think maybe I'll you know, kind of you know. Uh, you know, just check this out, they weren't just tire kickers, they were, as the poker players say, we're all in, we're all in, not that I know anything about that. All right, so, so anyway, so this great persecution is going on, and then Paul himself gets converted, and then we pick up again, and this is the second place, second time in the scriptures that we hear about this man, Barnabas. And so um, Barnabas, uh, uh, Saul, it says that Saul, after his conversion, he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once, immediately, and this is always great to me because he didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. All he knew is that he had an encounter with the Lord. Remember last week we talked about the gathering demoniac? And, the, you know, this is the one. There were three prayers that were requested that day. You know, the uh, demons prayed that they could uh, uh, not be uh, cast into the lake of fire. Uh, they asked to be cast into the herd of swine, which Jesus granted them that. The second prayer was the townspeople after they saw that the swine had run over the edge of the cliff and killed themselves, drowned in the in the uh, Sea of Galilee there. And then the third prayer was the man, the gathering demoniac. And he prayed that he could follow Jesus, that he could go with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, go back and tell the people of your town what great things God has done for you. I mean, here's a man, you know, I mean, I think that you and I we, we kind of overcomplicate the Bible. We overcomplicate the message. We think that we've got to go to seminary and we've got to study for three or four years. What if somebody asks me a question that I can't answer? You know, that may happen to you. But immediately we see immediately this gathering demoniac goes back. He knows nothing. All he knows is what Jesus has done in his life. And he goes back to the town that he was raised in, that he grew up in, where everybody knew him as a lunatic, as a crazy man, running through the tombs, cutting himself, screaming, being bound by chains and shackles and... Uh, Now they see him as a man that's been set free, one who was captive, uh, but the power of God has set him free. And he's talking about Jesus, what Jesus has done in his life. We see the same thing happening to the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, It says, immediately, it says, "...he began to preach Jesus in the synagogue, that Jesus was the Son of God. And those that heard him were astonished and asked, "...isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who had called on this name, that that would be the name of Jesus? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? And yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Messiah." And after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan, and day and night they kept a close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through the opening in the wall. And when he came to Jerusalem, see he was up in Damascus, Syria, comes down to Jerusalem, and he tried to join the disciples. Now, this is where this gets interesting. He tries to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now, this is kind of interesting in our own lives, guys. You know, that when you come to Jesus, a lot of people will remember you as how you used to be and not how you are now. And they look at you like, you know, well, I remember you. I mean, you were a drug addict, you were a liar, you were a thief, used to sleep around a lot. You know, I mean, all of these bad things. You know that this is how they label you, and it's just like you know, people will not update their resume, and you know, allow uh, God to do His work in 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 your life. And God is always working in our lives. He is constantly working in our lives. And so, and says that they took him, brought him to the apostles, uh, the apostles, um, and it says that. Uh, Verse 27, Barnabas took him, but Barnabas, I I like this right here, we see that he tried to join the disciples, they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. I mean, they'd heard about this guy, and probably he had had some of their family members arrested, or somebody that they knew, this great apostle Paul, who is now the apostle Paul, when he was a terrorist before, he had some of their family members arrested. I'm, I'm not sure that we would have trusted him either. You've got to prove yourself. That's what we would say. But Barnabas had a different spirit. Barnabas was a different kind of guy. And it says that he took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and how the Lord had spoken to him uh, in, in Damascus and how he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now, this is incredible because you've got Barnabas, and the apostles know him. Remember, he's the one that sold the land and brought it and, take, and had taken the money and laid it at the apostles' feet and And Barnabas is telling the guys, I mean, he's talking to the greats. He's talking to the 12 greats. He's talking to Peter and James and John and, you know, all the other apostles there. And he said, look, guys, you've got this guy wrong. You've got him figured out wrong. You know, the accusations that you're making against this guy are wrong. He's a different person now, and I've seen it. And so, you know, Barnabas pleads his case, or Paul's case, to the apostles, and then they accept him in. And it says, and Saul stayed with them, verse 28, and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly the name of the Lord. And he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews. Those were the Greek Jews. But they tried to kill him. And when believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And so this is the second mention that we have of Barnabas in the Bible. He comes to Paul's rescue, to Saul's rescue. He was known by Saul at that point. And then we see uh, that Paul and, and, and Barnabas, they really connect. They've got this kind of like this bond, bond between them, a real kinship between them. And so we read, we pick this up in chapter 13. It says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers and Barnabas and Simeon called uh, Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And so they're all worshiping and fasting. Now listen to this. This, I mean, there's a lot of little side streets that we could take on this. They were worshiping, that's what we were doing this morning. That's what we were just doing just a while ago. They were worshiping and the Lord uh, the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, in the middle of this worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart. For me, Barnabas and Saul. So right at right in the middle of this, I'm just like this—a group of people just like this—and the Holy Spirit starts speaking and says, "I want you to. I want this guy and I want this guy right here. I've got a job for them to do. Set them apart for me for the work that I've called them." And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And then we see um, they'd go off, They'd gone off on this missionary journey, and on this missionary journey. Paul takes with him his nephew, who is called John Mark. John Mark is known, known to you by Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. But uh, in um, Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it says that while they're on this missionary journey, that uh, there's a lot of persecution against the church. You know, Paul and, and uh, Barnabas had been beaten. Uh, they'd been, you know, Paul had been left for dead at one place, and the disciples gathered around him. He'd been stoned to death. And many people believe that when Paul is talking about being caught up to the third heaven, that he was caught up into heaven as a result of being stoned to death, and God breathed life back into him and, uh, uh, as the disciples were standing around. But in the middle of all of that, John Mark, for some reason, and the Bible's not clear, it doesn't really say, but John Mark bails. He just said, you know what? I have seen enough of this, and I am out of here. I don't, I, you know, Paul might be able to take that, Barnabas might be able to take that, but I am not ready for a beating just like this guy took. So I, it's not real clear why he left, but, you know, one reason is that, I mean, he just left. He bailed on them. And then we pick up in Acts chapter 15, sometimes later, it says that Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns that we were preaching where we had preached the word. And so Paul says, you know, let's go back. Let's go back to the towns that we had visited. And he said, Paul's basically saying, you know, I don't care who comes. Everybody's welcome to come, but I tell you what, I don't know who's going to come, but I tell you, I know who's not going to come, and that's John Mark. John Mark bailed on us one time, and he's not going to bail on us again. He is out of here. And the Bible goes on to say, it says in uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 39, it says that Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement. I love that word, sharp disagreement. What the heck does that mean? That's what you and your wife had on the way to church this morning. You know, a sharp disagreement. Uh, you know, just uh, sit around. Me and my wife, well, we were, you know, got into it last night. We were having a little sharp disagreement, you know. Let me tell you the Greek word for that. That's a fight. You were having a fight. Your face is getting red and you're spitting and you're yelling and angry. That's sharp disagreement, All right. And you've had those before. I've had them. You've had them. A sharp disagreement. I love the way they say it right here. They put it in the Word. They had a sharp disagreement, and it was so sharp, it was so harsh, that Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, who Paul said, I'm not going to have anything to do with this guy anymore, ever. Now, this is kind of interesting. Now, remember how Barnabas had taken Saul, and he had taken him to the disciples, to the apostles, and said, this guy is not who you think he is. He's a changed man. I mean, yes, he was, you know, torturing and beating and throwing in prison and having Christians put to, put to death, but he's not that person anymore. And, you know, Paul wanted grace. You and I, we always want grace, don't we? We want grace, but when comes time for you and I to extend grace, just like Paul, Just like in this situation right here. John Mark, he bailed on us once. I'm not hearing it. He's out of here. You take him. I'm not having anything to do with John Mark. So the one that had grace extended to him did not want to extend grace. Guys, I want to tell you, man, you know what? We're like that. We're like that. I know I hate to admit it, but I've been there. And if you're not lying this morning, you have been too. Yeah, yeah, you have been. And so, a sharp disagreement, I love that word, a sharp disagreement. said that Paul would not extend that same grace to John. But Barnabas, being true to who he was, and he said, look, man, you know, I see something in this guy that you don't see. And that's exactly what Barnabas told the apostles. He said, I see something in him that you don't see. And he told the same thing to Paul. He said, I see something. Yeah, he bailed on us. He, you know, he bailed on the trip once. But I see something there that you don't see. I, did a, I told you I did a wedding a, a week or two ago. And uh, I was just talking to the couple. And, um, and, and both of them were just telling me that you know, prior to meeting each other, how their lives were a mess. And, uh, you know, the bride said, you know, that as I was, you know, on my way down, I met him. And he saw something in me that I didn't even see myself. I didn't see in me what he saw myself. And he drew the best out of me. And then he turned around and said the same thing. She saw things in me that I didn't see myself. And she drew the best out of me. Guys, you know, we don't. We got a lot of Kramers in our life that want to wag their finger in our face and tell us, I told you you shouldn't have done that. Oh, and kind of delight when we're going through struggles and delight when we're going through problems. But, you know, we need some Barnabases in our life. We need a Barnabas. We need a son of encouragement. We need someone to come along and tell us that, you know what, you know, yeah, you made some mistakes and, you know, maybe you've been a screw-up in the past and maybe you've made some mistakes in the past. But I want to tell you that God is on your side. God can get you. Through this mess that you're in right now, that while people have bailed on you, the Bible says that though your mother and father forsake you, God says I will never forsake you. That. See, he says, I have engraven you on the palms of my hand. Now, that was written about 700 years before Jesus went to the cross. But I think that's what it means, that Jesus is standing on the cross and said, See, I have engraven you on the palms of my hand. That's how much I love you, and I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be there for you. When everybody else abandons you, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I'm going to be there for you, is what Jesus is saying to you this morning. All right, that's good news. In case you didn't recognize that, that's good news right there. So, I, um, I I heard two stories. You know, it's funny how these things come in pairs. But heard two stories. Actually, I witnessed one of them. I was uh, with a couple, and and um, and she was a teacher, and um, and talking about uh, a young believer, and uh, like you know, can't trust this person. You know, you can't. You know, you've got to be careful. You've got to watch him. And I'm like, how do you know? And she's like, well, he was in my class 10 years ago. i mean, 10 years ago? Man, I'm glad you didn't look at my life 10 years ago. I wouldn't be standing here today. You know? Or looking at you like, you know, if people saw you today, but they remember you from high school or from college, you know, I mean, we'd all be skeptical. We'd be like those disciples that were in fear of, of, of Paul. Like, man, I don't know if I want anything to do with you or not. We might be having some sharp disagreements. And then I heard about another school teacher. And she had a young class, and one day she told them to take a paper out and write down the name of everyone in the class. And so they did that. That was their class assignment. But she said, write their name on the line and skip a line, and then write the next person's name on the line and skip a line and just to get everybody's name in the class on that paper. And when they had done that, she said, I want you to take that same paper, and I want you to think about something good of every one of these people that you've written. Say something kind about every one of these people. And so that was the class assignment, and they took that and... Um, Then they were able to take that paper and post it, and then she later on let the kids cut up the paper and, you know, just kind of keep what people had said about them. Many years go by, and um, the Vietnam War shows up, and one of the kids in that class had been killed in combat in Vietnam. And um, at the funeral, uh, after the the service, the uh, teacher happened to be there, and some of the classmates happened to be there as well, and the parents... Uh, went to the teacher uh, that had given the kids that assignment and said that uh, um, when my son was killed, they found this note in his wallet. And he had kept what the other kids had written about him folded in his wallet probably for, you know, seven or eight, ten years, taking it out from time to time to look at it. But in the middle of that, The other kids did the same thing. They had in their wallet as well uh, or in their purse, the little notes that the other kids had, you know, shared with them, the kind words that people had spoke in their lives. See, you know, guys, I know this works. I know it works. I remember, you know, occasionally this happens to me. I'll have... um, I'll be thinking of somebody, one of you, and um, I'll call, and if you're not there, I'll leave a message. And uh, um, I remember leaving a message to someone, and about a month or six weeks later, I saw that person, and they told me, you know, I, I didn't erase the message. From time to time, I take it out and listen to the words that you spoke to me. See, guys, we need... Barnabas in our life and you need to be a Barnabas and the God that we serve is able to bring change and he's able to you know we we shouldn't despise people because of their race or their color or their accent you know we need to be opening this is this is the church of Jesus Christ and we can expect because of the God that we serve we can expect people to change. I'm going to just wrap this up with a couple of scriptures. It says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, it says, listen to these words. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And if you remembered me from high school, you wouldn't like me. I didn't like me. And as I look back, I didn't. I still don't like me. I don't like the way that I was back then. I don't like the person that I was back then. And there's even things that I do now that I think, I don't like that person. I don't like who I am. And so I want God to continue to change me. He says in Ezekiel chapter 36, he says... Now, I don't, you know, no matter what you're going through today, maybe, you know, you're a person here today that you've got some problems, you've got some faults, but, guys, we all do. We all have problems, we all have faults, and we all want to change. You know, uh, I I read this, this not too long ago. It says not many people are happy with themselves. We all want to be thinner or stronger or taller or shorter or happier or healthier or smarter, you know, and you name it. You know, and you might want to be free of some drugs or some alcohol or some problems or some bondages or sexual sins that are in your life today. And you want to change. You absolutely want to change. But the Bible says that I will sprinkle you. Notice what he says, that maybe you've tried on your own. You've tried and you've failed. But that's why we need a Savior. I mean, if you could have done it on your own, there was no need for Jesus to go to the cross. That's why we need a Savior today. It says... I will sprinkle you with clean water, and you will be clean and acceptable to me. And I will take away your stubborn heart, and I will give you a new heart and a desire to be faithful. See, you know, if that's you today, and you think, God, you know, my life is such a mess, and I'm a wreck right now, and I do things, and I say things that I don't want to do, and, you know, I don't want to say. But God's saying, here's what I'll do. If you'll just surrender, if you'll just come to me, God's saying, I will sprinkle you with clean water and you will be clean and acceptable to me and I will take away your stubborn heart and give you a new heart and a desire to be faithful. This is what God is saying. I will take away your stubborn heart and give you a new heart and also with that new heart I'll give you a desire to be faithful. And then he says in Philippians, he says, we urge you brothers and admonish the idol Encourage the faint-hearted. This is what God's telling you and I to do, to be encouragers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. And then finally, the last verse that I wanna share with you, that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life that you have, unlike Kramer, you know, Kramer's like, I'm man, he's like, why does it please you that I'm losing money in the stock market? Why does it please you to see me fail? But the righteous, the Bible says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life that you can see those that have been beat up. You know, uh, they, they've been beat up badly by the world. They've been beat up by people that they love. They've been disappointed. They've been hurt. They don't need a Kramer in their life. The world is full of Kramers. But I'm going to tell you, they need a Barnabas. And I'm just asking you today, would you be that person? Do you want to be that person? I'm asking guys just to hold off for just a second because we got something else that we need to do. So, uh, could, can we have those lights back, please? I can't see anybody past the second row, and I think they all left. And I'm just feeling just a, a flutter in my heart. Everybody's left, and I'm talking to myself. No, you're still here. Thank you. So, um, we need a Barnabas, and you need to be a Barnabas, and maybe you need a Barnabas in your life today. And so. I want I want to just pray with you. I want to pray with you right now. So I don't even know how to do this, but want you to stand. You've been sitting for a while. This making any sense to any of you guys? Okay, all right, five or six of you. Okay, thank you, thank you. No, I know. I believe I believe God's word is powerful, and it can do things that. I can't do. But Lord, we just, uh, I want to just thank you this morning for your word. And God, we thank you for the story in the Bible about Barnabas, this man that, you know, just had a heart for those that were outcast. And Lord, I pray that you would put that spirit upon us today. Lord, some of us need to be a Barnabas and some of us need a Barnabas. You know, you've been beaten up and you've been broken. You've been badly wounded and you've been hurt. You've been disappointed. And you've been, you know, you've suffered with discouragement and despair. And it's just like you're at, you know, you're at the end of it. And and you need life-giving words. You need the word of life to come into your spirit this morning. You need God to breathe on you this morning. And I pray, Father, that you would, that your Holy Spirit would just settle upon this group of people this morning. Breathe life into this place this morning. And, Lord, we pray that you would uh, just put another anointing on us. Lord, I, I think about joshua and caleb your word says that when they went into the promised land that 12 spies went in 10 came back. They were like Kramers. Oh, you can't do it, man. We are like grasshoppers. We'll never succeed. Those guys are monsters over there. And Joshua and Caleb encouraged the people and they said, We can go and we can do it right now because God is with us. And Lord, I want to just thank you that you are with us today. That no matter what mountain we face today, Lord God, that you are with us. You can give us the strength and the power to overcome every obstacle in our life, Lord. We pray that you would just breathe. That spirit, that same faith, that same hope that was in Joshua and Caleb, breathe it in this place today, Lord God. Help us to be those men and women of faith, those men and women that can be encouragers. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Let's just lift up a shout to God. I mean, we serve a great God, All right? All right. So while you're still standing, I'm going to ask Lucille to come up because lucille's got a word that she wants now okay so today's the picnic in case you came in late and you didn't hear all right so we got we got hamburgers and hot dogs and all kind of good stuff and it's all free and it's right out there but I, I want you to go and uh you know partake just i mean this is the time where you really can get to know one another you know you see people you see somebody you think you'd like to know and uh before you know it they're out the back door and they're gone or the front door and uh So this is the time to just kind of hang out and get to know one another. But some of the ladies at the uh, prayer meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago told me that God had given them uh, a vision uh, for prayer in the church. And we were going to, you know, kind of walk around the property, but it's a little bit clouded today. So we're going to just form a circle. And uh, why don't you just go ahead and start doing that now? Just kind of get out of your seat. We're going to make a circle around the entire auditorium. And Lucille's going to kind of share with us what the Lord had placed on her heart as far as our prayer needs. And you know what, guys? Before I forget and before she shares, for the last five Sundays in a row, the Lord has said, pray for rain, pray for rain, pray for rain. And the last five Sundays in a row, I have forgot. Except today, I'm not going to forget. We, right now, before uh, we start anything else, well, I'll let Lucille share, and then we're going to make part of this prayer this morning, a prayer for rain. Amen? okay Lucille you want to come up and, and share yeah.
2: okay so at the beginning of Lent uh, pastor admonished us to pray for three things and then he changed it to four because he added on the rain part of it so um, and he asked us to do the Daniel fast and I asked the Lord Lord do you want me to do the Daniel fast what do you want me to do and I felt like he told me no I want you to do prayer march so I said, okay, so what are we doing the prayer march for? Well, he had put on my heart to pray for the children that go to school here, to this school, because they're under the Lord's roof. They're in our space. And there have been times when I come in the congregation in the morning, and it feels a little dark in here. So I started doing that, and we prayed um, the three, the things that the pastor had asked us to pray for. And as we did it more and more, the Lord showed me, uh, take all of the desires of your heart write them on a paper and carry them so we do, we've been doing this uh, um, Anna and uh, you know our prayer group have uh, caught the vision as well and several of us have walked or not walked we would do it on Wednesday after prayer to seal what the Lord had given us and so we started doing it on Sunday before service to welcome the Lord into our service and we just wanted to you know, invite anybody that wants to do it. So after the 40 days, I asked the Lord, um, am I stopping now? And he gave me the scripture of the judge um, and the woman that would go to him and ask him for stuff and ask him for stuff. And, and he said, I'm not afraid of this and I'm not afraid of that, but that woman's going to wear me out if I don't answer her. And I figure if God gave me that scripture, that means he wants me to hold on until we get the answers to our prayers. So we've still been walking out there. That's what we're doing out there, if you see us, uh, walking around in the rain and the dust and the wind. And I just want to um, implore you today, as we stand here together, think of the power. One can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Every stronghold, every pain, every thing you've been praying for for long, long times, as I have in some things. Um, Put it out to him today. Release it to him and know that he hears you. uh, In Psalms, it says, I love you, Lord, because you hear my prayers and you answer them because you bend down low to listen. I will pray to you all the days of my life. That's what that's my vision. (laughs) That's my vision. So right now, today, we will pray.
4: Okay, so you said the three prayer points that we pray during our Daniel fast yes. and that was if you're new here this morning and, and not familiar with that Steve I'm going ask you to come up and um, you know, so we were praying for our nation and we were praying for uh, Frank if you would come up as well and then uh, let me just see who else I have over here we were praying for our nation we were praying for revival in the church and we were praying for uh, individual prayers for family prayers Cassandra where are you? So I'll have you come up as well. Is she in here? Yeah, okay. So, And then when they're finished, I'll I'll say a prayer and pray for rain and then also pray for the blessing on our food as well.
5: Bless you, Father God. We bless your holy name. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. We thank you, Lord God, that we come into your presence boldly today, Lord God. Lord God, we do knock on your door, and we ask your blessing upon our nation, Father God. We ask you to pour out your spirit upon this nation, Lord God, that you would change things, Lord, that things would not remain the same, Lord God, that your love would be poured out into our hearts, Lord God, that you would make us encouragers, Lord God, in our city, in our state, and in our nation, Lord God, that we would let your light shine, Lord God. We thank you for that blessing, Lord God, that you've put upon us, your people, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you have put your hand on this country in the past, Lord God. That your name has been free to be preached in this nation and around the world, Lord God, through the missionaries that you've sent from our presence, Lord God. We thank you for these things, Lord. We pray your hand would continue to be on this nation, Lord God. Give us wisdom, Lord God. You say in your word that if we ask for wisdom, Lord, you would give it to us. We ask for your wisdom that our country would be led in the way that you would have it to be led, Lord God. We give you praise, Lord God. This is a beautiful nation you've given us, Lord God. We must not forget it, Lord God. It's a beautiful gift from you, Father God. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord God. And we thank you for the United States of America, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you've asked us to pray for our nation and that you would hear our prayers, Lord, and heal our land if we would just humble ourselves and pray, Lord God. And we do that this morning, Lord. We thank you for our country, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray.
3: heavenly father thank you lord god for you and for all the blessings you continually pour out on us i lift up to you our church lord god and the whole body of christ worldwide father we ask lord first of all your forgiveness for our failures as individuals father and as a body lord god as steve said lord your word says if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Father, we do that right now, Lord God, as as this small body, Lord, this congregation here. And Father, we ask that you minister to everyone here, Father. That you draw them to you closer. That you bless them and their families, Father. Their children and grandchildren, Father. We ask, Lord God, that... You draw us together closer in your love. Bless each and everyone here, Lord. Let everyone here know, Father, that you love us and that we are to love one another. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.
6: Father God, we lift up each of the families of this church, Father. We lift up all the families in our community and all of the families in Our church community as well father father we ask you that you give the fathers of these families father the strength and the courage and the wisdom to be strong father for their families and their children father we ask you to give the mothers the hearts to be present and to love on their children father we ask the children to give them obedience and the desires to honor their families and their parents Father, most of all, I ask you that you speak deeply into all of our hearts, Father, all of your children, and you show us who we are in your eyes, Father. Father, show us how much you love us, how special we are. And if there's anyone out there, Father, that's feeling lonely, Father, I just ask you to show them how much you love them and how much they belong to your family, Father, and to you. Draw them to you, Father God. Thank you for all that you do and love on us. Thank you in Jesus' name.
4: Amen. Lord, we're grateful. We thank you for this time this morning. And church, I just want to challenge you to, I want you to just think of three people right now, the first three people that come to your mind. And if you want to be a Barnabas at some point today or tomorrow, sometime this week, three people, three, just three people, send them a text, make a phone call, you know, say something kind to them, tell them what they mean in your life, how important they've been in your life. I encourage you to do that. So just join me just as we close out the service in, in prayer. Father, we want to just uh, thank you, God, for who you are, for the love that you have for us. Father, we also want to pray for our state. We want to pray for New Mexico. Father, there's a, a drought in our state. Uh, farmers and ranchers are, are struggling right now, suffering because of uh, the lack of moisture. And we ask you, God, your word says, even on a cloudy day like this, you know, some may, may say, well, why do you pray for rain? It's going to rain. It's in the forecast. But the Bible says, ask the Lord for rain in the season of rain. Ask the Lord for rain in the season of rain. God, today, we ask you for rain. We ask that you would pour out a great rain upon this state, especially over the forest fires in this state. God, that you would protect the men and women that are struggling to fight those fires and battling nature, God. We pray that you would be with them, deliver them from accident and harm, Lord, uh, just rain, just let it rain on New Mexico. Let, Father, I believe that the physical condition that we see is a sign of a, uh, of a spiritual condition that we have, God, that we are spiritual, spiritually dry and thirsty for you. And as the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs and pants and hungers and thirsts after you, God. Pour out your rain upon this place, Lord. We just want to say that we love you, Lord. We pray your blessing on the food. In our fellowship we ask these things in jesus name and god's people lifted up a shout and a praise to god saying amen god is good hallelujah all right guys walk out those doors and uh, be blessed with the fellowship of the meal